SpiderBat is like a DVR for your cloud native environments, tracing every step to instantly reveal root cause, create developer guardrails that stop application drift and stop attackers early in their tracks. Start your free trial today at spiderbat.com. That's S-P-Y-D-E-R-B-A-T.com. Welcome to Data Protection Gumbo. It's more than just a podcast. It's a source of insights to keep you tapped into all things data-driven so that you can be the most informed technical expert in the virtual room. I am your host, Demetrius Malbro, and today on Data Protection Gumbo, I have a very special guest, Shira Shamban. And uh, Shira, she started her professional career in cybersecurity as a military officer in the Elite Intelligence Unit 8200. And currently, she is the co-founder and CEO of Solvo, a software company that automates cloud and data security. She also started the local mentoring program, Security Divas, and is the co-chair of OWASP in Israel. Shira, welcome back to Data Protection Gumbo. Thank you. It's great to be here with you again. Awesome. Good to have you back. And as far as the listeners are concerned, give us a a quick rundown of Solvo and what uh, your company is doing. Sure. So Solvo is a data and cloud infrastructure security platform that actually brings two exciting worlds together. Solvo is using both uh, using insights from the infrastructure layer and from the application layer in order to create automatically uh, IAM policies that are going to be least privileged and adapted to the behavior of the application. So this way we save a lot of time for the DevOps, DevSecOps, and security engineers and automatically improve the security posture of the organization. Okay, um, awesome. And just so the listeners know as well, so why don't you give us a, or your definition of data posture management so we can all make sure we're on the same page here. In Solvo, data posture management uh, means understanding the kinds of risks we have on our data resources and the resources that are attached to those data resources as well. As a security practitioner, uh, you might be very concerned about the crown jewels in your organization. And very often, these crown jewels have to do with the data that you store. Could be credit card numbers, could be social security numbers, could be uh, uh, MRI images. Whatever that is, you want to make sure it is well protected. And sometimes we can look at the trivial misconfigurations and sometimes we have other misconfigurations that are uh, uh, more difficult to detect. But uh, from the attacker standpoint, they are extremely useful and easily exploitable. So when we talk about data posture management, we want to understand the attack surface around our data resources and to understand the business impact that this has. Because again, as security practitioners, it is not easy to resolve all the security issues that we have. We need to prioritize and decide where to spend our time. So by understanding the impact of a possible exploitation, we should be able to prioritize uh, the remediation. And this is also something that in, in the data posture management at Solvo, we produce. 
we don't only tell you uh, uh, what misconfigurations or vulnerabilities you have on your data resources. We also create the uh, CLI command or Terraform or CloudFormation file that is going to fix it. Mm, okay. Obviously, I guess today this is still a, a huge issue where individuals or organizations still are not quite tight around uh, security. They're, they're rolling out and they're migrating workloads and they're uploading and installing and configuring and just continuing to bring resources on, especially within their own cloud environments. Why do you think that there's still a, a problem here, especially since seems like there's so much information out there and uh, individuals have knowledge and information about, you know, creating these different resources and workloads. What, why do you think this is still a big problem? You're right. The knowledge exists. People have been working with the cloud for, let's say, at least 10 years now. So many of the developers that we're talking about are actually, you know, they, they never worked on-prem. Uh, so why are they still making mistakes and why are security teams still not able to uh, put the, the guardrails in the right place? I think it has to do with two things. One, uh, uh, the development culture. Uh, usually, there isn't a lot of uh, emphasis on security. We want to deliver fast, we want resilience, uh, we want to handle loads. Security is not the first priority in most uh, R&D organizations, unfortunately. And then we, we always had, we're still having the challenge of um, bigger security team, more people on our team or the ratio of security to R&D uh, personnel. So we are not catching up. Uh, we are creating more software, but we don't have more security engineers to help us. We're trying to create more security products to compensate on the lack of, of security engineers or on like trying not to do stuff manually, but to have a, a software that will help us uh, automate some of these processes. But these mistakes happen for the same reasons that they used to happen in the on-prem. People are doing their job. And if we're talking about developers, their job is to deliver the next feature and not to deliver the next secure feature. Um, and this is when mistakes start to happen, when the developers want to run faster and they think that the security team is holding them back, they will bring out uh, uh, all of their creativity to find a way to bypass the mechanism that the security team tried to put uh, uh, to, to slow them down because they want to... Um, you know, look for misconfigurations before you're in production. This is why I think we're still seeing those things. Okay. And you, you mentioned more security products. Is, is that the solution just to keep, you know, rolling out more and more security products? Or I think there's a ton that are out there today and more companies are, you know, being founded and started up maybe weekly or biweekly. It's a lot. So This is uh, true. <laughs> we are seeing a lot of security products okay. out there. And... I think that we are seeing a lot of security products because this is a real pain. When I started Sovo with my co-founder, we just went ahead and talked to our colleagues and friends who work with the cloud and asked them, what are your pains? What are your challenges? What are your gaps? And when 
prospects. Talk to us about gaps that have not been resolved yet. We understand that there is a need. Now, it's not that the product is a solution for everything, but if you want to accomplish some goal, you want to be somewhere, and you don't have the skills for a human being to do that, and you can have the software to do it for you, or any kind of other automation that can take you to the place where you want to be at, it's a good solution. It lets you scale. If I want to create automatically, uh, if I want to create least privileged IAM policies and I have 1,000 Lambda functions and I try to do it manually, it's going to take me forever. But if I have a product that uh, it's going to take it the same time to create two IAM policies or 200 IAM policies or 1,000, then let's use a product. It, help, it lets me scale and better use my time. Okay. Yeah, it, it does make sense. As far as, I guess, your approach to security, you mentioned things before. So on-prem, dealing with data center infrastructure, physical routers and switcher, switches and devices that you know try to keep the bad guys out. And now you extrapolate that into the cloud, into kind of where we are today and running in AWS and Azure and also Google Cloud. What, what is your approach to security in the cloud? Give us maybe your, your perspective around, is, is there a difference or is, is it slightly different when you are protecting workloads on-prem or in the cloud? So there are some similarities and some differences, like always. When we're talking about cloud application, we should always remember that for the most part, it's going to be connected to many third parties and external services. And we need to remember that data is moving between all of these components that I just mentioned. So it's not enough to protect your VPC, your premise, your cloud account. You need to remember that some data is transitioning and you need a good hold of who has access to your account, who has access to your data resources, and what exactly can they do with them. When talking about on-prem, usually the data security products for the on-prem stay on-prem. So you might install hardware like a firewall in your data center, or even if you use some kind of a software solution, it will still be on-prem disconnected from the internet. It's not going to be a SaaS kind of product. So even from the product standpoint, it works differently. You can let it do uh, some things like, for example, when talking about on-prem, you as a CISO or as a security practitioner might feel more comfortable to let that product have access into your data in order to do some classification, for example. When talking about the cloud, sometimes you don't want to give that product um, access to your data because this is a SaaS product and it can potentially, it can either be a supply chain risk or, you know, you might not feel comfortable letting a third party have access to your, um, to your data. So the security provider actually has to develop a cloud on-prem solution. And then uh, sometimes you lose the benefits of the cloud, like uh, the, the remote updates and, and other capabilities that you cannot deliver when you need to build a, a local solution. Yeah, that, that's pretty clear to me. And uh, I am still amazed at 
you know, companies, since they're, they're still moving lots of workloads and, and lifting and shifting uh, workloads from on-prem into the cloud. And I guess it depends on how they are evaluating which applications that they, they need to run in the cloud. There's a whole process behind choosing, you know, which applications are, are great applications and workloads to move over because it does make a difference. But why do you think that, um, or maybe maybe you, you don't think this, uh, that companies maybe forget some of these best practices when, uh, especially around data protection habits of moving workloads from uh, on-prem into the cloud, sometimes they, they may not abide by some of the the best practices and, and rules that go along with you know bringing a workload on uh, into the cloud why do you think that this may still be a problem i think that uh, talking about best practice is easy for you and i when we are here talking in a podcast and we don't have to do these things manually ourselves and then you have a big migration project project and things look different because now you need to synchronize a bunch of other people. Each one of them is an app owner or an architect in charge of a specific component or a specific application. And really all they care is for their application to run smoothly and to things, for things to work as they worked before. Sometimes they're unhappy about this migration. They're not excited about it. Why do we need to change? Things worked smoothly before. Uh, uh, so from the security standpoint, you're not going to get a lot of support uh, uh, when now you need to ask people to actually think about identity and access management, which they were not supposed to or did not have to think about before. When they were on-prem, they trusted you to install a firewall and everything is going to be fine. And now we need to think about security in a different way. So you need to stop and go a little bit you know, backwards see the big picture and figure out what changes do we need to do. Maybe we need to rewrite some of the application. Maybe we need to rewrite the entire application. So this is a big, painful project. And depending on the agenda of the CISO or the CIO, sometimes uh, uh, security is a second priority. Not always, of course. Security is also a game of uh, trade-offs. So sometimes you just accept some of the risks, uh, you fix some of them now and you hope to fix some of them later. But as it turns out, you will migrate your application uh, with not uh, the, the best practices set in place. Uh, and this is why you, you, know, you and I are talking about why people are not doing best practices, because they're busy just uh, uh, making sure everything is working, bring uh, up whatever is down right now, thinking about security as what we're going to do in the next sprint. And I understand that you guys have a, a new security product that you are rolling out. Tell us a little bit about why you created it and why is it needed today? So when we started building Solvo, we knew that we're doing cloud infrastructure security. And this is what we're still doing today. But as we started talking to our existing customers more to get their feedback, to hear about their pains and challenges, some of them started talking to us about data security and asked them, why are you talking to me about data security? There are plenty of wonderful startups 
doing uh, data security poster management. And they said, well, yeah, this is true, but we haven't built the trust with these products. We are not 100% sure about their ability to classify our data, to find all the sensitive resources. And therefore, we would like to see how you, as a, as a product we already integrated with, how you can help us. So we actually, you know, started thinking about it and realized that since we are already integrated in your cloud account and we already have the context of the application that you're running on this infrastructure, we can actually produce some very interesting insights um, that has to do with the security posture of your data resources. So this is the story of, of why we decided to build the data poster management uh, capability at Solvo. And what we do today is understand all the misconfigurations, not only regarding your data resources, but also regarding any entity, be it a compute resource or a user that has access to those data resources, understand the security posture of the second resource that, that I'm talking about, and then understand if this has an impact on your data resources. So this way, we're able to give you a prioritized list of security findings that impact your uh, uh, data security posture and produce the fix for each one of these findings. So we understand the posture, we understand the business impact, and we give you the fix. And as a security practitioner, you only have 24 hours a day. You will never be able to fix all the security findings, but you can start with the ones that have a bigger impact on your application and on your business. Yeah, that's, um, that sounds pretty awesome. And also, what do you think is maybe the one of the biggest threats today? I know this is a broad question, but... I, re I really want to see where you go with this. The biggest threat today from your perspective, Shira? Yeah, this is a big question. I think that, uh, well, I can mention two. One is has been here forever, and this is us, the humans. Layer 8, if you like. Layer 8, I like that. <laughs> Very often when, uh, when we try to dig in or to do a post-mortem and understand what happened here, why did this incident happen? What is the root cause? We understand that one of our employees or one of our customers made a mistake. Sometimes they don't even know they made a mistake because they were not educated enough about the best practices. They just worked. Um, but they created a, a, a tiny little bit of, a, of opportunity for an attacker to, to, to take advantage of and sometimes you know just like what happened to just a, a couple of months ago to a very big uh, uh, transportation company where one of their employees uh, got a bunch of uh, uh, MFA messages text messages and he ended up giving uh, uh, the one of the codes to the attacker that called him and actually asked for that code so wow. this is also a layer eight kind of mm. problem and uh, I think that we will always be the problem 
we the humans are for the most part the problem and this is why uh, security vendors like myself try to create automated mechanisms uh, uh, to reduce some of the decisions humans have to make and maybe when a machine makes a decision for you uh, uh, for the most part it will make a better and faster decision and we can leave your attention to other decision making that machines shouldn't be doing yet uh, so humans is one problem another problem that we'll be seeing more and more is probably third parties fourth parties the supply chain uh, we're talking about the cloud here uh, cloud applications are always a, a kind of a, a, a puzzle between the software that you buy and the SaaS products that you connect to your product uh, and every time you use a piece of code that someone else wrote for you even if you're using a managed service provided by your cloud provider this is also a third party and um, every time you do that potentially you're vulnerable to someone else's mistake and these things happen all the time just this year we heard about two incidents that happened to a very 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 large uh, cloud provider so this happens to everyone even to the professional ones so there, there's no way to get around it you just have to make sure you stay on top of your environment and you have a nice team in place that works together and uh, have some some plans and practices in place um, to make sure that things are remediated and that that NIST cybersecurity framework is, is being followed. So awesome. Yeah, this was a great discussion. And before I let you go, I am always curious to find out what very smart people such as yourself are, are reading? What, what type of books are on your nightstand, Shira? I have two types of books. Uh, one is fiction that I usually read right before I go to sleep. Even if it's just for 10 minutes, I try to disconnect from work, read a, a, an exciting story about someone else. And if it's not that, then I like to listen to audiobooks that are of a more professional nature. The last one that I heard that I really loved and I recommend uh, uh, people who, who want to enrich themselves is, is called Never Split the Difference. Mm. It's a book about negotiation. Mike Voss. Yep. Right. Uh, it's a great book. Uh, sometimes I use uh, some of his uh, tips or techniques at work. I used to think I'm not a good negotiator. Uh, but after listening to that book and to some of the advice he's giving, I, I realized that we can all get better at, at what we do. So, yeah, I truly enjoyed the conversation and appreciate you being on the show once again. Um, as usual, always providing that, that deep technical expertise and educating the listeners on, on security and data posture management. So thank you for being on Data Protection Gumbo, Shira. Thank you so much for inviting me and have a great rest of your day. You as well. Thank you for listening to Data Protection Gumbo. Please follow us on Twitter at DPG Podcast and join our backup and recovery professionals LinkedIn group. Just search backup and recovery professionals on LinkedIn and you will find the group. And until next time, Gumbo listeners, have a fantastic week.